Um, yeah, this is Hamad Hosseini, and uh, well, I think Corey's um, um, presentation reminded me of what Lenin uh, tries to explain the current situation and his own situation in one sentence, that fascism is capitalism in decay. Um, but uh, what Lenin ignores, and probably that's intentional, because what he does and his followers is another uh, fascist version of the left that he establishes, is that the, it's not only fascism is the, um, it's caused by, the, by capitalism in decay, but also the failure of the left in providing viable democratic and progressive alternatives. So I would like to take the advantage of this. And it's very interesting that the literature also ignores that, the second half of the story. Uh, I would like to take the advantage of this uh, um, um, and, um, and argue that it is important to study alternatives and see uh, what kind of viable alternative to capitalism can be uh, developed or is being developed probably. Um, and this is actually the main question uh, behind a, a research project that uh, Barry and I and, uh, and, 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 uh, and James Goodman uh, from the University of Technology Sydney and a number of other uh, international um, uh, researchers um, have been working on and at the moment it, the project is in the early, very early stages so don't expect me to provide you with data and figures and, and, um, and case studies. What, we're, uh, what, I'm, what we are presenting today uh, are just the outcomes of, um, of our, our uh, speculation, theoretical speculations and efforts to, to, pro to, to actually create um, a, a theoretical base for our project. Uh, so if you're interested, here are, uh, uh, we are actually presenting a summary of two papers. Uh, one is uh, most recently published in uh, European Journal of Social Theory, and that's the title. And the other one is a forthcoming one uh, in Globalization Journal, uh, and that's the title and the top the title of the project. Um, I will present that later again, if in case you're interested uh, to, to take a look at uh, uh, the papers to see more details um, of what we are presenting, especially things that we failed to probably present today uh, because of the time limit. Now, uh, um, oh, well, it's what we are witnessing is, a, I would say, it's a pr proliferation of multiple alternatives. And we live in an era, sorry that I have to read out because it's very abstract and dry, and I hope that you bear with me to the end. Uh, but probably this would save more time. We live in an era, in the era of multiple crises, and perhaps many of us agree that these crises are all ingrained in capitalist relations, which have excessively globalized and ironically evolved into a world of interdependent and, at the same time, rival capitalist systems. There are strong, strong theories developed in the last few decades to explain the current status and possible futures. However, what is less known or under-theorized is the prol proliferation of projects, practices, ideas, models, initiatives that aim to structurally, structurally transform the neoliberal capitalist relations, uh, what we call alternatives here, that have evolved in response to, question, to the question of what futures we want and the belief that another word or maybe other words are possible. And of course, whatever future we want should be profoundly different to our present status, which itself is responsible for our multiple interrelated crisis. So that can give us a kind of a definition of what we mean by alternatives here. There, are, there have been, of course, some important efforts to 
to study this so-called post-neoliberal, post-capitalist, post-post-colonialist alternatives, but they have hardly gone beyond simple classifications, comparisons, and mappings. Given the multiplicity of transformative actions, the most important question that is still left to be answered is why none of these alternatives have been able to prevail or why these alternatives have failed to at least get involved in a meaningful conversation or in interaction with one another, or maybe they have not failed and they are in kind of a conversation with one another. So that's the driving question. Um, there are three more slides that I now skip and they tried to pave the way for for, to, to give some ideas about the background, and they argue that we have actually, there are three trends of globalization that they all have actually uh, in de have declined. One is the globalization of the nation state. Its decline started since 1970s. The globalization of free market, we witnessed the decline of that in post uh, in, in 2008, 2007. And the third one is the globalization of civil societies, which ha actually didn't get anywhere. Um, um, it started in late 90s by the global justice movement or anti-globalization movement, but then it was uh, actually derailed um, uh, thanks to the 9-11, uh, post 9-11 situation. Now, uh, in, through these two articles, we're arguing that we really need a new uh, analytical uh, uh, framework, not only analytical, but also a transformative uh, framework. I would insist on, uh, we would insist on transformative um, in the sense that uh, this framework, framework um, uh, would help us to actually detect the potentials or capacities uh, within the alternatives to talk to one another, one another and create uh, new alternatives um, um, and bring those uh, potentials or capacities to the consciousness of the actors. In that sense, that analytical framework can also be uh, transformative and that would be our um, contribution as theorists uh, to, 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 to practice, to those who are involved in practice. And we, we argue in those papers that a kind of a cosmopolitanism, uh, we call it critical cosmopolitanism, can actually provide us with that framework if we acknowledge that we have multiple cosmopolitanism and it's not all Kantian um, Eurocentric cosmopolitanism, which, it, which, which itself is part of the problem. So Western sociology has experienced an impulsive rush towards <coughs> adopting a globalist discourse or ontology in the last uh, couple of decades. Now that the tide is turning, and you can see it in um, in the current situation, or as David Harvey says, uh, global capital is apparently in this array. Uh, it is easy to predict a backward race to bring the nation, state, or uh, territory back to the center of our analysis. Um, 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 I noticed that in some of the presentations in this conference. But let's stay calm and not to follow the herd again. And instead, let's focus on what we call uh, ideological practical encounters, uh, especially between three main camps that are the loudest and they influence the, 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 the global field of protest or movements. And one is the globalist center left, global social democracy, you may call it. Uh, the second one is inter 
slash nationalist state central left, especially Latin America. We witnessed the rise and demise of it. Uh, the third is the green localist left. Um, uh, and uh, this interaction actually creates a dynamic breeding ground for the emergence of more complex and more accommodative alternatives to global capital. Uh, well, that's the question, a very hypothetical question that we would like to answer through this, uh, through this research. Now, um, we also argue for, uh, uh, for uh, we are also introducing another concept, meta-ideology. We would like to argue that now that the three globalization trends of nation-state, of free market, and of global civil society have shown significant signs of decline, the results of ideological encounters are going to become more important than the ideologies themselves. So we need a level, level um, analytically, um, above the ideological level in order to investigate um, the, the interactions between ideologies. But I would also, uh, lie, we would also like to argue that this level uh, that we call meta-ideology uh, actually does exist. So a level above the level of ideology is needed, not just needed by us to be developed or used analytically, but also to be recognized as a reality and thereby be brought into the consciousness of us as the scholars and the movement actors that are practically but perhaps less consciously involved at this level. So meta-ideology, we'll argue, does in fact exist outside our analytical sphere. Um, ideologies are politically institutionalized forms of collective ideations and are reductionist in nature, being a set of propositions that tend to uh, cement some ideas or certainties and reject others, a feature that gives ideology a structure and therefore is understandable from a pragmatist point of view. But meta-ideology is required precisely because ideologies are reductionist and meta-ideology thus appears as an ideational stance. We define meta-ideology as an ideational process through which the interactions and deliberations between different ideological practical positions would make actors overtly conscious of their shared and distinct assumptions, experiences, and ideals. A meta-ideology actually regulates the contestations and interactions between progressive movements in order to create a base for the reformation or evolution of their visions and practices. Now, um, this would lead us to another concept that we are introducing in our work, um, and these are cosmopolitan modalities acknowledging the pluralities of, uh, of cosmopolitanisms. So the aim is not to map or classify progressive alternatives, but rather to explore potential and actual interactions that may or may not lead to alternative visions and political actions. Now, cosmopolitan here, cosmopolitan modalities is defined in this way. Um, how, this is, a, I mean, a, a modality is a way that uh, an, alter, uh, uh, an ideology tries to answer this question. How the leading progressive or democratic camps, uh, in this case, globalist left, nationalist left, or le localist left, manage solidarity within their own networks, deal with internal disparities and disagreements, and how they encounter each other through the process of learning and cross-fertilizations, tensions, and divisions. Now, cosmopolitan modalities are orientations adopted to regulate the relationships between and within post-neoliberal movements for alternative systems. And each modality can be defined in terms of two components. One is how to transform into a post-commodification mode of livelihood, how to transform the system, in this case the capitalist system, and its mode of livelihood. 
The second uh, component is how to build solidarity, uh, political agency, and community across different identities, and we call that mode of so sociality. So two components for each modality. One is the mode of livelihood and its transformation, and the second is mode of sociality in creating solidarity. Now, if we put them into two uh, continuums, these two components, uh, we, uh, we can actually uh, uh, see that there are at least three tendencies within each um, component or continuum. Some movements are arguing for reform, reforming the system, they want to reform the system. Some, some movements would like to substitute the system through the revolution or, or incrementally through gaining power through po uh, party politics. And some would like to disjunction. And in terms of solidarity, some would like to transcend the pre-existing boundaries like communities and nation states. And some would like to create coalitions. And some would like to self-entrench and create an autonomous space. Now, if you put two components together, uh, you will see that the three modalities will emerge. Uh, one is inter internationalism. These are the ones that you can find them in, in Latin America that would like to substitute, uh, gradually substitute the system, the capitalist system. And, but they, but the, for them, it's the nation state that is the base. And then they create, you know, like in our case, they create coalitions across the nation states. Now you've got reform and transcend. These are the post-Keynesian um, global social democracy movements uh, or, or, or arguments uh, that would go for reform, reforming the institutions and transcending uh, towards transnationalized transnationalization. And uh, you've got the, the, the third one, which is the disjunction and self-entrenchment. You can think of, you know, um, eco-localists. Uh, okay. Uh, so, now, another way of putting things together is this one in terms of the social basis, as you can see, well, in terms of um, inter internationalist, the social basis mostly industrial working class. For the alter cosmopolitanism, it's the intellectual post-industrial middle class as the social base. For, uh, in terms of the post-cosmopolitan uh, modality, uh, those self-entrenching uh, disjunction things, uh, we can, I mean, as Albert Saleh would say, meta-industrial classes are reproductive labor women, peasants, and indigenous. Uh, for the fourth one, which actually cannot, and that's why I put it underneath all of them, it's the transversal cosmopolitanism, the fourth modality that stands at, uh, at the meta-ideological level. And it cannot be exclusively, I say exclusively, attributed to a particular group or movement, but uh, strong elements of that can be found wherever there is a significant or meaningful conversation between these movements. Um, so I wouldn't uh, attribute any social base, but if you would like to squeeze me uh, or squeeze us, or we would say intersectionally um, exploited labor, uh, like precariat, uh, precariat um, uh, labor, maybe. Uh, but as, as I said before, you can find el strong elements of that in, in many places. Now, um, the first one, internationalists, you can, uh, in terms of the examples, you can think of new socialist regimes in Latin America, the Bolivarian coalitions and ALBA for regional sovereignty. Um, in terms of altered cosmopolitan modality, you can think of examples like global social democratic discourses, global post-Keynesian agendas, Tobin tax, transnational alternative currencies, and new market socialisms. Um, in terms of the post-cosmopolitan examples can be 
post-developmental movements, degrowth, degrowth movement, deglobalization approach, like in the case of food sovereignty, radical autonomous movements, indigenous liberation, uh, bio-civilization, green localism, and communitarian um, economies. Uh, but in terms of the tra uh, when it gets to the transfer transversal cosmopolitanism, um, I better to skip some of this again. I would just define we would just define it um, in terms of a number of elements. These are the elements of transversalism or transversal cosmopolitanism. One recognition of diversity and differences within the field of transformative action, dialogue and deliberation across differences, systemic self-reflection, intentional engagement to explore contending experiences. Acknowledgement of power relations between sources of resistance, and finally, a commitment to creating um, common agendas, proposals, and programs directed at gaining practical political leverage. Now, um, you would still ask me, but if you want to find some cases to investigate and to see to what extent we can attribute this or we can find transversal cosmo cosmopolitanism, what are those cases? Okay, I would nominate these at two levels. Uh, we would nominate this at two levels, political and epistemological. Political, strong elements can be found in transfeminist uh, movements, and that is documented and, and studied by Yuval Davis. Fragile convergences can be found in a number of state-partnered grassroots initiatives, such as Syria's adoption of commoning schemes in Greece, Korea's open, openness to commons-based peer production models in Ecuador, and Chavez's idea of the communal estate. These are uh, probably uh, uh, the, the ones that we can nominate. Now, recent coalitions building efforts in, 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 in Europe between self-organized cooperatives, social economy activists, and commons, and the commons movements, that, as documented by people like Bolia and Kunati in 2014, are among the examples at the epistemological level or theoretical level Ecofeminism and eco-socialism, as you can see, these are hybridized things. Um, there are the classical cases of cross-ideological hybridizations, projects to enhance cross-ideological hybridizations, such as dialogues between ecofeminists and socialist theories, new economic democracy, solidarity economy, commons, green syndicalism, and participatory economy. They are among the uh, most important cases to look into. And as the conclusion, if I have time, Okay, the, the contending ideological traditions of political economy, liberalism, social democracy, communalism, and socialism retain a dominant influence in the old cosmopolitan modalities. The GFC has not so far uh, changed these traditions pr profoundly, nor as yet provoked the rise of a paradigmatically different tradition to global prominence. In Fine's word, in a world in which people are required to choose between camps, the in-between can be a rough train to, to try to occupy. However, as we have shown in previous works and argue here, a new cosmopolitanization process has been at work, potentially altering the relationships within uh, these traditions and producing new ori orientations, new transformative uh, practices. Transversalism is best understood as a constellation of dynamic ideational contentions and political coevolutions to transform the capitalist relations, more sophisticated and systematically articulated levels of inter-ideological exchange, dialogue, and progressive learning are needed. This requires cosmopolitanism to oppose the dualisms of our age and to function as a meta-ideological framework to facilitate such exchanges and to lead them to the creation of more comprehensive and, and synthetic alternatives to existing uh, capitalist social relations. Um, 
Yeah, and the, these are two of our uh, recently published books, if in case you are interested. Yep. Thank you.